Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Accessible Tourism in Queensland podcast, where you will hear from people with disability, tourism operators, and experts in accessibility and disability inclusion. This podcast is supported by the Queensland Government. As always, you've got your hosts here, Ben and Bridie, back for another episode of the podcast. And today we're going to be focusing on welcoming guide hearing and assistance animals uh, into tourism organisations, operations and experiences across Queensland. Right now, we are talking to Rory. How are you going, Rory? Thanks so much for coming. Pleasure. Good afternoon. Thank you for having me. And Rory, to start off with, mate, why is accessible tourism important to you? Well, it's very important uh, to me uh, as I am a person who is blind, I have zero vision. And without accessible tourism, uh, it would make it nigh impossible uh, for me to gain the experience of travelling, whether that be to Queensland or elsewhere within Australia or overseas. Uh, Travelling with a guide dog is paramount for me and it will allow me to have the best possible experience I can. I also am a person with low vision. I've only got 2% eyesight, so completely understand some of the barriers. Um, I'm not a guide dog user myself. I use a a white cane, but understand the barriers, but also the importance of um, having something to assist you getting around. Do you want to give us a little bit more of an an introduction about yourself and your connection to disability? Absolutely. So um, I lost my vision um, 10 years ago following a Trip to Queensland, ironically enough. Um, not, not blaming Queensland? No, certainly not. Certainly not. It was, uh, I have fond memories of Queensland and the trip, but uh, whilst I was in Queensland, I had a complaint in my left ear and um, didn't think a huge amount of it because I flew to and from Queensland from Victoria. Uh, but when I returned to Victoria about a week later, the discomfort in my left ear was uh, quite extreme. So I went to, I followed the, the general courses one would do, going to get checked out um, by the GP and then referred to the hospital and so on. Uh, still wasn't right a couple of days later. Went back to the GP. Three and a half weeks later, I awoke uh, with zero vision. So that's my association with um, disability. And um, I'm very proactive or as much as I can be in, in, in working in the disability space, um, providing feedback, guidance and support um, to make things as comfortable and accessible for individuals who are blind or indeed have other disabilities where they might need some, um, some pointers to help their uh, progress in their life continue. Absolutely. That is such important work. What does your dog mean to you? Would you like to introduce him? Uh, so, uh, my guide dog, Saul, S-A-U-L, is a, a relatively new introduction to me. He's my second guide dog. My previous guide dog, Gideon, retired early this year after close on uh, eight and a half years of wonderful service. Shout out to Gideon. <laughs> Big shout out to Gideon. Absolutely. Yep. Mm-hmm. If you're listening, Gideon. <laughs> uh, we can play it for him later. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Saul means uh, a number of things to me, um, not only to me, but to my family, to me from the point of view of being my wonderful, trusted, and hugely valuable, my words can't describe how valuable, wingman, when it comes to my mobility and point of feeling as safe as possible when I'm out on the roads, going about my day-to-day business on my own. So he's my eyes, essentially. I'd love to understand a little bit more about 
the mechanics, me personally, of I've trialed a guide dog once or twice, but never to the extent of um, knowing the assistance and service a guide dog provides mm. on a on a daily basis. Can you walk us through sort of the the mechanics of maybe what a guide dog provides? I know you'd also be aware of the difference between a guide dog and a white cane, sort mm. of how it all works and, and whatnot. Well, I'll give you a very good example of what a guide dog can do compared to a cane. If if that would be okay, mm, absolutely. Guide dogs are trained to navigate obstacles and hazards, and when a hazard presents itself, they're trained to stop before you reach the hazard, so you can investigate the potential hazard, or for them to stop until the hazard has uh, moved on, i.e., a parked car that's sitting in the driveway. It wasn't so long ago I was walking down a road, and it was quite a windy day as we know, can be in Melbourne. And it was a straight road. And um, I was walking at a fairly reasonable pace, as I like to do with Saul. And um, we're walking along, and I'm always encouraging him and talking to him just to keep up that relationship. And I didn't hear a car reversing out of his driveway, and he suddenly stopped, put the brakes on immediately. And I said, come on, mate, come on, what's going on? I thought it might be a bin or something, and I still couldn't hear it. So as we're trained to do as handlers, I reached out just very, very carefully to observe what was um, in our path. And it was a car, which I had not heard because of the wind. A white cane doesn't do that. Hence, a, w- a white cane runs into the car. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. The driver um, realized that I was touching the car to find out what the obstacle was, popped their head out and said, I'm so sorry, I didn't see you. And I said, well, I didn't hear you. Thank God Saul was on the ball. Guide dogs are all trained to a certain level to stop at corners, stop at curbs, find various landmarks that you might need to find on on travel routes that you have practiced. So, for example, today I, I walked to and from uh, my local gym, which is around 3K walk. And in order to do that, I have to be trained with Saul to find the pedestrian crossing to find the post where the button is to cross the pedestrian crossing uh we have to navigate past the school uh that's quite interesting if you're walking past the school and it's school drop-off time or school Mm -hmm. pickup time Uh, i then have to find a bridge we have to find the rail to cross the bridge then i have to cross a busy road we have to find the the crossing for that road then we have to be able to stop in the middle of the road where there's an island to find that island all these things happen with practice and repetition and that is what the guide dog is trained to do is to find these landmarks in order to keep themselves and the handler safe. So clearly, Saul, your guide dog is so integral to you, Rory, and your mobility. But what would it mean for you if your guide dog, Saul, was denied access to a certain space? That would be very confronting. Um, and it would be highly frustrating, disappointing, and upsetting. Um, that has happened to me, uh, not with Saul, I'm pleased to say, but it did happen to me with Gideon. Um, I was at a, uh, a cafe uh, in the Melbourne area and um, I was there with a friend of mine. It was a beautiful day. We were sitting outside. We were going to go and have some breakfast. And I sat down and um, someone brought out the menus. My friend was reading me the menu and someone else came out and said, no dogs. And I said, He's a guide dog. And this individual said, don't care. So I was trying to explain to him 
um, and I was getting out my access pass and all that sort of stuff, mm. that it's a legal requirement for the establishment to allow me into the establishment with my guide dog. And I said, oh, maybe you should go and talk to your manager, um, and just double check. And at this stage, I was being pretty calm, because so I thought that would be resolved. But he came back within a couple of minutes and said, I've spoken to the manager, and she says, no dogs. I responded by saying, can you ask the manager to come and talk to me? And the manager was not actually on the site. She was on the, on the phone and was essentially asking me to leave, which I duly did, uh, rather upset and frustrated mm. and annoyed. Half an hour later, the manager, because uh, I left my phone number, asking them to get the manager to call me. Half an hour later, the manager called. I was very apologetic. Uh, she'd obviously realized that her error of her ways and she was um, suggesting that I should come back to the cafe with all the family for free meal and all this sort of stuff. But the bottom line is individuals who run a business in Melbourne need to be aware of the accessibility laws mm -hmm. for individuals who are guide dog handlers and train their staff accordingly. Really important to mention that the laws around assistance animals, so that's guide dogs, hearing animals, and assistance animals yep. are the exact same Australia-wide. Any, anyone using an assistance dog or a guide dog in any context in Australia cannot be refused entry or service, uh, whether it's in Victoria, New South Wales, Queensland, or any other state. Mm. So obviously this podcast aimed at uh, Queensland tourism operators, those exact same uh, laws apply in every single venue, every single experience. Mm. Rory, what do you think tourism operators and businesses can best do to support you and your adjustments and your access needs and how you navigate the world with Sol? For them to be fully acquainted with their legal responsibilities. Mm -hmm. And I think on the whole, uh, certainly in my experiences, with the exception of, of the one I've just mentioned, most of them are, are, are pretty onto it because yeah. they realise if they're not, they're going to get a very bad name to themselves very quickly mm. and potentially a hefty uh, remuneration fine. Yeah. But in terms of being as a venue, um, when I arrive at a, a restaurant, for example, with mm. Saul, is just to talk to me like they would anyone else. Mm. How can I help you? How can I best serve you? Does your dog need anything? You know, yeah. all that sort of stuff that you would hope they would ask with um, likewise with someone perhaps who was, was in a, a wheelchair or if someone was um, had another disability. Mm ask them uh, if there are any amendments or adjustments that can be made for that individual to have the best experience they can whilst in their restaurant or wherever it might be. When people make those mistakes, what do you think they can do when they realise that they've made those assumptions to rectify the situation? I suppose the, the immediate um, best case scenario would be for them to do whatever they can there and then to make your current stay as comfortable as possible. By that, I mean, make sure you've got plenty of space for your dog. Make sure they tell you where the accessible toilets are, all that sort of standard mm -hmm. stuff. Along with that, a sincere apology for the mistake they had made mm -hmm. would, be, would be fantastic. Mm -hmm. that, that would go a long way to me thinking, okay, They've realised the error of their ways. Yeah, uh, that shouldn't have happened, and I'm not excusing that. But they have done what they could to to rectify that. And then thereafter, if I went back in, say a month or two later, I would like to visibly 
well, visibly, it's the wrong phrase from my perspective. <laughs> well, for people I'm with to visibly, uh, and for me to, from an audio perspective, hear that welcoming entrance to the establishment mm. yeah. um, and, and, you know, make it um, quite obvious that they will do everything they can to assist me whilst I'm on, on their premises. Going into more of sort of some practical tips for people, because people that I have heard that are guide dog users that have people come up in the street and want to pat their dog, they want to say hello to their dog, um, what happens when there's other dogs. So I'd love to hear from you um, about how people should interact around you, but more specifically you and your guide dog as a unit together. Um, well, again, communication, really. With Gideon, this particular scenario was um, I was crossing quite a busy road in Melbourne. It was a two-lane two road each side, so four lanes essentially. So I had to sort of really pick up the pace to cross the road while the audio button was still going. Probably about halfway across from memory, someone actually stopped me whilst I was crossing the road and said, oh, what a beautiful dog, can I pat him? <laughs> whilst I was crossing a busy road. And I said, uh, thanks for interest, but no, and just walked on. If an individual comes to me and I'm with Saul, uh, as, as I have been, say for example, I'm waiting at a bus stop or a tram stop, or, or at the train station, wherever it might be. If I'm waiting for a, a, um, a mode of public transport, people often come up and, and just say hello, have a chat, um, which I welcome. I'm quite into chatting. I, I, I don't mind a chat myself. Hence why you're here. <laughs> Indeed. Um, and you know, obviously uh, having a guide dog is, is, a, is a conversation starter for many. If that individual asks me if they can pat my dog, I will say, and if, if I have time before the bus arrives and it's safe to do so, I will say, sure, let me take the harness off. And I will let them know that the harness is an indicator to Sol that he is working. So at no point, regardless of who the individual is, should they try and interact with a guide dog whilst they're working. Because if you do, you may well distract the dog and therefore distract me and put he and I in an unsafe situation. But if I'm waiting for a bus train and there's time and it's safe to do so and someone wishes to talk to uh, Saul or indeed previously Gideon then I'll let them do that mm. and that's the handler's call. That's been a common theme of our podcast ask don't assume. Yeah. It all comes back to communication and that one phrase ask don't assume is really not that hard but is really the key to accessibility and inclusion. Rory we've got one final question for you. Sure. Can you think of your most favourite inclusive experience when you have been travelling? Yes, it was on board an aircraft. Guide dogs travel uh, with their handlers in the cabin. They don't go into the hold as a, um, a non-working, sorry, a non-guide um, dog or a service dog would, would have to do. So they travel at no extra cost to me. The seat next to me is left adjacent and saw and Gideon before him would sit in the footwell. And it's a real conversation starter with other passengers as well. Mm -hmm. When they're boarding the plane, you know, it's a dog on the plane, what's going on, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but in terms of being inclusive on the, on the aircraft, it generates interest. It, it, it's another conversation starter. Um, the cabin crew are always very uh, defined in making sure that I have the required assistance. Mm -hmm. Being made to feel comfortable and valued like any other customer on the plane mm. is really important regardless of whether I've got guide dog or not. And do you think Rory that the, 
that cabin crew, do you think that they were were just intuitive with your needs and were they able to be respectful and empathetic enough to ask and not assume? Or do you think it was a result of them receiving good training? I think it's probably a combination of the two. I'd like to think it's a combination of the two. I've had some indifferent experiences in airports, not necessarily in planes, or actually on the planes has always been very positive. But I think, you know, I'm sure they are very much aware that there's a blind passenger aboard in the aircraft when they get their schedule through for that particular flight or the day or whatever it might be. And they're probably reminded of that by the crew that are in the airport. And I check on because as a guide dog handler, I'm asked to check on as one of the first passengers, mm-hmm. uh, like, you know, parents with kids and so on and so forth. So they're, they are forewarned that, you know, I may need assistance, but also combined with the training that they've got, you know, they'll offer me a, um, the mat. The guide dog is required to sit on a mat in case they have an accident on the plane. They'll always offer me a mat, although as a handler, you should take your own and so on and so forth. So I do think it's a combination of the two. Yeah, that's great. Rory, you've been absolutely fantastic today in giving us some of your insight, having Saul here what a team you both make um, and it's so awesome to hear how you're able to travel and experience the world with the support of your guide dog thank you so much for your insights thank you very much indeed thanks Rory thank you thank you